Welcome to the Connect Church Podcast. Our mission at Connect Church is to help people find and follow Jesus. For more information on who we are and how we're doing just that, visit myconnectchurch.cc. Now, let's jump into this week's message. So I've noticed something in um, as I've gotten older uh, and growing up in the South, we typically have, if you grew up here, um, there are just a lot of things you do to, you don't want to ruffle feathers. And in fact, a lot of things that traditionally happen, you do to kind of overstep to make sure that, you know, everything's fine, everything's good. But the older I've gotten, the more I've realized that we've become less kind to each other and also less thoughtful. Like I was thinking about when I grew up, I remember when you would drive down the road at 65 miles an hour and you would see someone, whether you knew them or not, you would wave. Again, the least you would do is just one of these. Right, the, the old, you know, hi, how are you? But we don't, we don't do that anymore. We, we don't do those things. And again, that, that's a simple, small thing. And, um, and for the beginning of the pandemic, there was this weird bright spot to where people kind of started getting more encouraging. We were spending more time with our families. We were also making, like reaching out to people to make sure they were fine. And it was like a good three weeks. And then things kind of started going back to the way they typically were. And I think there's a few reasons that this has happened, that we tend to be this way. The first one is I think that we're getting less and less considerate you know, maybe we're too busy and uh, we've got our own things going on and we've got our own schedules. We're constantly distracted. And the next one is, you know, people tend to be more easily offended, more sensitive than they used to be. And, and just, it's, we don't want to say something wrong. We don't really want to overstep bounds. And you, you may say, I'm not one of those people who's easily offended. And I used to think that myself until I realized that when I honk my horn after half of a second that somebody hasn't moved past when the light turns green, I'm doing that because I'm offended. Like, offend, again, when we're offended, we're, we're just much more offendable. We think, how dare you take my time? How dare you do this? We're, we just tend to be much more offendable. And because we don't want to offend someone, we say, well, you know what? I can't be held responsible for something I don't say, so I'm just not going to say anything at all. And the third one is probably the most sinister. Well, it's definitely the most sinister. And uh, we've become much more brazen, just much more open to say what we want. And again, with social media and things where we can just kind of post something and throw something out there and kind of let people know what we think, we've just, we've gotten much more okay with that. We don't even really have to uh, defend what we're saying or, you know, look somebody in the face who opposes that idea. Um, we don't have to worry about any of that. In fact, we can say all the offensive things we want and then log out and it's fine. You know, we don't have to look that person in the face that we've offended. We don't have to look at that person whom God loves, who God cares about. We don't have to look at them. We could say what we want and we can get out of there. No problem whatsoever. We can say all the trash we want. We don't even have to justify it at this point. I believe this because I do. That's it. So all of these things have kind of applied to why we have become uh, less considerate, why we've become less kind and overall less encouraging. We're not as encouraging as we used to be to people. And because of that, we know we should be. No one would say that, oh yeah, I don't, I don't have to be encouraging at all. We've, we've come to justify it. And one of the ways we've done that is through giving. So we say, you know what, I'll, I'll just, I'll give to this. I'll give money to the situation. So I want to distinguish that I'm not talking about if you have a friend who has come on rough times and needs help. That is a timely gift that is giving out of a care for them. You have a relationship with that person. You want to help them out. That, that's not what I'm talking about. What I am talking about is that we've, um, we've started giving just to kind of 
to, to pay the situation to get away. We don't really want to deal with it. We don't really want to, you know, have to take a step over that. And our, our selfishness tells us we're busy. Our selfishness tells us, well, you know what? You don't have time for that. You're treading water as it is. Why even ask them what they're going through? You've got your own stuff. Our fear tells us that we don't want to say the wrong thing, so rather risk that, I just won't say anything. And ultimately, our pride tells us that we shouldn't encourage others because that person might not agree with everything we say, and why would we want to make them feel good about themselves? Why would we want to build them up? Or we want to do something, we want, to do, uh, we want someone to be doing or feeling worse than us. We don't want them to feel better than us, and I feel a little bit bad today, so I'm not going to lift them up. Um, or we don't want to be easily impressed. Maybe that's it. You know, we, we adopt this too cool for school attitude. Well, I don't want people to think I'm easily impressed. I want them always striving for my affection and always looking for me to say a good word to them. So I'm just not going to really say anything in the moment that they need it. And again, we, we try to give in order to, to get past these things because the fact is relationships can be messy. We, we want to avoid the awkward. We want to avoid the, the maybe the uncomfort, the time that it might take. So we just choose to give in those situations. We tell ourselves, you know what? Encouragement requires a relationship. Encur- relationships take up my time and my effort and can be messy. So I'll, avoid, or I'll pay to avoid having to have the relationship. Here's my money. Be encouraged. I'm out. But when scripture talks about giving, it's in a very different way. In fact, in Matthew, Jesus tells us that when we give to the poor, we should give so that our right hand doesn't know what our left hand is doing. We give in secret. We don't, it's not meant to be a relational giving. It's giving because God has blessed us and we want to bless others. Not for our own glory, but because God has been faithful to what he's called us to. In fact, as of 2018, 72% of charitable giving in the U.S. was given by individuals, not corporations, not foundations, but individuals. 69% of the population gives to charity despite 80% having debt, which means that most people who give could be paying off debt but choose rather to give of what they have. In 2017, giving grew over 4%. In 2018, it grew over 5%. But despite charitable giving going up, volunteering has gone down. We want to be able to give, but we don't want to give time. We don't want to give of ourselves. We don't want to give uh, in such a way that we have to personally get to know the situation. We're willing to give our resources, but we get skittish when it becomes personal and involves risk. It becomes easier to write a check than to sit down and have a conversation. But true encouragement, as, as the scripture talks about, is meant to be vocalized. It's meant to be spoken. It's meant to be expressed from one individual to another. So for the next three weeks, we're going to be talking about encouragement. And I want us to memorize this verse together. Proverbs 12, 25 says, or actually, I want you to say it all with us. Let's encourage each other by saying this together. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. When scripture talks about the heart, it's talking about the center of our being, It's where all of our desires and all of our dreams and hopes flow from. And it represents our love and the things that we most deeply care about. 
It dictates our feelings and, and, and everything. And all of this flows from the heart. And scripture tells us that whenever we give him a good word, it lifts somebody's heart. Anxiety weighs that down. It weighs, it weighs that down. We've all dealt with anxiety before. We've all walked through that to where it's, it's kind of just weighed on us and felt heavy. And it seems like even if our, what we're anxious about has nothing to do with what we're walking through, it seems like it still affects that. But a good word cheers him up. This is what we're called to do. We're called to give encouragement. True encouragement changes the way someone feels. It helps recenter them on the things that are most important and it points people back to focus where they need to focus. Now, I know all of this sounds like a whole lot right off the bat. You say, well, I have to be in a relationship or I have to you know, have a relationship with someone. I have to really like put myself out there. The answer is yes to all of those things. So my prayer for us for the next three weeks is that we pray for the courage to encourage. Just a quick little something for you to remember. Pray for the courage to encourage. So this past week on Tuesday, I sent out a survey on my social media and I wrote, uh, this is a survey on encouragement. I want you to fill it out. It's anonymous. I don't care if you're involved. If you're involved with Connect Church, great, or another church. If you're a non-believer, I don't care. I just want you to fill it out. And I honestly want to know what you think, what you feel. Question one was, they were asked, how do you define encouragement? And they were defined in this way. Words or actions intended to drive someone to a higher level, being there for someone when they need it, Words or deeds intentionally directed in order to inspire good, showing someone you believe in them and something positive. So again, all of us would say, yeah, that kind of encompasses, there were a lot more answers than that, but those are kind of the core ones that, that we could draw out of that. The second question was, how much does encouragement mean to you when you receive it on a scale of one to 10? 47% of people, so almost half, said that it meant 10 out of 10. 94% of people listed as seven or above with the average of being around 8.7, which is pretty high. Again, encouragement's important. We like encouragement. We want to experience encouragement. The third question was, how comfortable are you giving encouragement? 42% said they were a 10 out of 10. 81% said eight, of high, eight or higher, average of 8.4. So on Tuesday, we put that on Tuesday. On Wednesday, we started thinking, man, dude, Maybe this series ain't even worth it. As folks as good at this as, as they're saying they are, maybe this isn't even worth it. So we put out another halfway through the survey. We actually had about the same amount with the first and the second. And we added this question to the second, or to the second group of people who did it. And the question was, how often do you receive encouragement? Zero percent said eight or above. It was an average of 48 who said that they receive, on a scale of 110, they receive encouragement less than half, 4.8. The final question that we asked was, why do you think people have a hard time offering encouragement to others? And these were some of the things they said. It doesn't come natural. Listen, that's just not my personality. I'm not that person who's really able to do that. Uh, you know, God didn't gift me that way, so I just kind of, I don't really focus on that one. Another one was fear. Well, you, you know what? I don't really want to say that. It's kind of vulnerable. So uh, they know how I feel. That was a common one too. They know how I feel. I don't need to tell them. What will others think about hearing me say that? What will people think about saying that? Another one was uh, they didn't want to show approval and they wanted to feel superior. Again, that's a little more sinister, but again... I think maybe, if we're honest, we can all say that we've kind of been there before, maybe. 
perceived as weakness. And specifically, one of the people who put this said, you know, I work with people who, you know, we, we work off commission and it's kind of back and forth and I don't really want to elevate the person I'm competing with. So let's just not say anything at all. And then the final one, and this was the most common one, was pride. I'm, people are focused on themselves. They're too worried about what they have going on. They don't really care about other people. So ultimately, what, what I got from this is that how much does encouragement mean when you receive it on a scale of 1 to 10? 8.7. How comfortable are you giving encouragement? 8.4. But how often do you receive encouragement? 4.8. That's a difference of 3.6 between how often you give it and how often you receive it. So what this tells us is that encouragement means significantly more to people than we realize. Actually building one another up. And that most people feel like they give a lot more encouragement than they're actually given, than they receive. But I think the biggest thing that, that popped out to me was that our encouragement isn't as encouraging as we thought. Again, very few people said, nope, not an encourager, little, none whatsoever. Most people said, yeah, I'm pretty good at it. And most people said, yeah, I'm, I'm good at giving it. And then said, but I don't really get it a lot. So what we know is that people in this world, like, again, this is cliche, but we've all heard, like, people are fighting their own battles. But listen, people in this world are hurting more deeply than we could possibly know. Everyone you know, everyone you meet, everyone you walk is hurting more than you know. Even people that, like, we know who are open books, who are more comfortable expressing themselves and telling you what they're walking through, those people still have things they're going through that they're experiencing, but scripture teaches that encouragement is the primary method by which believers should point others to Christ. 100%. Others meaning anyone, whether that's an unbeliever, whether that's a new believer, whether that is your friend since uh, growing up, sibling, parent, uh, you know, checkout person at the grocery store, it does not matter. The number one way for us to share Christ with people is through encouragement. So this whole series, I want to talk about what true encouragement looks like. It's so much more than a, hey, good job, or attaboy, proud of you, way to go. When we give true encouragement, it's life-changing, and it's life-giving. Paul tells us in Galatians that the fruit of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, these are produced by the Spirit. They're not just things that, they're not, natural to me. It's not something like, well, I'm, I'm a really giving person, but I'm not a very loving person, so I'm just really kind of go all in on this one and leave this one alone. No, this is a result of us being faithful to what the Spirit has called us to do. If we're Christ followers, if we've accepted Jesus, Jesus told us he would send a helper. That helper dwells inside of us and guides us, and if we're doing what he has called us to do, these things will be produced within us. And think about them, change them to an adjective. Imagine someone that you know, um, that you were around quite often, was always loving, joyful, peaceful, patient, kind, good, faithful, gentle, and self-controlled. You'd want to hang out with that person, right? 
You'd want to be that. So listen, if we're allowing the Spirit to tell us what to do and to guide us in the ways we are, the more we're faithful to that, the more the Spirit produces these things in us. So this person is not, I'm not good at encouraging because I'm naturally an encouraging person. I'm encouraging because the Spirit produces encouragement out of me. And who wouldn't want to be a pers- around a person like that? As believers, people should want to be around us more than anybody else because we should be annoyingly encouraging. We should always be lifting people up because we know what God's done for us and what the Spirit's done in us. We should always be seeking to do that, to lift others up. It's an overflow of the Spirit within me. And every one of these attributes not only applies to the way that we love God, but also how we're called to love our neighbor. Therefore, those people who are Christ followers and who are obedient to the Spirit's leading and are producing the fruits of the Spirit should be the single most encouraging people in the world. Without a doubt. There's no second. So why aren't we? Why, why, why isn't that the case? Again, we see in the New Testament where people weren't running to the synagogues, they were running to Jesus. And Jesus didn't not speak truth, Jesus only spoke truth. But people could not get enough of what he was saying. Sinners who, could not, who did not care about the religious establishment were running to Jesus. And if we have Christ living in us, then why aren't we expressing that outwardly? So I want to talk about today, what is true encouragement? What is real encouragement from a biblical standpoint? When we are true encouragers, what does that look like? One person who answered uh, this question, and if you're here, I'm grateful. Uh, If you're not, if you're watching, I'm grateful. Regardless, I'm grateful for your honesty. They said, the reason that people don't encourage, they said, I'm very encouraging because I want other people to encourage me. And admit it, that's probably not the best motivation, and it's not. But if we're all honest, we've all said that. You know, we've all, we've all done that. You know, it's, it's the old you know, sitcom trope where somebody walks in with their hair cut, and they're like, oh, did you do something with your hair? They're like, no, but clearly you did. Oh, yeah, this little thing, no big deal. You know, again, we do that. We fish for compliments. We want people to give us compliments. We want that encouragement. But the problem is, is encouragement is not dependent on anything. That's the first thing we need to know. Our encouragement is not dependent on anything. It's not doling out compliments in hopes for that person to compliment us back. That is transactional and also manipulative. And God doesn't call us to be those things. He doesn't call us to be manipulative. And I'm not saying that two people cannot have a mutually encouraging relationship or friendship. In fact, Scripture intends for believers to have that for each other. We'll talk a little more about that in a minute. But it can't be built on those expectations. Philippians 2, 3, and 4 say, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. C.S. Lewis said this about Christ followers, and I love this. He said, they love you more than anyone else, but they need you less. Followers of Christ love you more than anyone else and need you less. So our encouragement should not only be for those who have something to give something back or who we know will give something back or will feel obligated. Our encouragement should just be an overflow of what God has done for us out of gratitude. True encouragement should never depend on anything more than the desire to build someone up. 
In fact, the Holy Spirit's encouragement of me should be my motivation to encourage others. So that's what we're called to do. We're called to uplift. We're called to build people up. And it's called to be intentional and purposeful. Which leads me to the second thing is that encouragement is not shallow. It's never shallow. Now, we all really like being told that we're doing a good job. And maybe, maybe you're that person who's like, well, not really. That doesn't really affect me. But everyone does by someone. Like, it may not be everyone, but maybe it's your spouse Maybe it's your boss at work. Maybe, maybe it's your parents. You like being told, hey, good job. That was great what you did. We all love that, but that's not what true encouragement is. It's anything but surface level. It's most effectively done in the context of relationships, of being close to someone. It's speaking truth and love. It's intentional and honest, and it's not emotionally driven. In fact, the goal for our encouragement should never be to make someone feel better, but to make them better, to show them what will make them better. Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. This word dwell literally translates into to feel at home to feel at home, to feel comfortable, to feel safe. So this was written to the entire church. When he says you, he's talking about the church at Colossae, not not me individually, but among you. So Paul literally says the word of God should feel at home among God's people. We should talk about it, share it, encourage one another with it, always expressing it, always telling each other, always lifting one another up in that. It says, you know, do that in wisdom teaching, which is like advice or or good judgment. And um, I want you to I want you to think about this. Anything God has to say about anything is infinitely better than what I have to say about it. Anything that God has to say about anything is better, way better, infinitely better than anything that I could say about that same thing. So we often get, um, most, peop- most of us have been asked to give um, advice from time to time. And some people, maybe that's you know, just your kids and, or your spouse. And for some of you, maybe you're just that person. Like, you're like, I don't know why, but everyone wants to ask me and, you know, what I can do. Or, you know, hey, what I need to do in this situation. And at the same time, we also ask questions like, well, how do I start a conversation about the Lord? How, how, do I, how do I talk about my faith with people? How do, I, how do I do that? And it's taken me a long time to realize this, that whatever God has to say about anything is infinitely better than anything I could say about it. So in a world of strong, subjective opinions, Christ followers should be speaking truth above all else, anything else. And maybe you say, Blake, I'm not really confident on my Bible knowledge. Like, I can't just bring something off the top of my head. I, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm maybe, maybe you're new to faith or maybe, you know, you just, that's not your forte. Listen, that's fine. Here's what we need to do. We need to humble ourselves and we need to tell that person, you know what? I would love to pray about this and get back with you. I'd love to talk to you more about it later. Now, this gives us a couple of opportunities to those people. Again, we talk about um, relationships with people and having influence. What this gives us the opportunity to do is it gives us the opportunity, number one, for them to know, oh, this isn't just like a casual thing for them. It's not just a conversation. They, ca- they care about this and, by extension, me. 
And number two, it gives you a time to retreat, to read God's word and prayerfully give them what the Lord has for them in that situation. So use those opportunities to encourage people. Use scripture to encourage people. It says, it's good, it says admonishing, which is like warning or reprimanding. And here's kind of the hard part, that true encouragement can also be rebuke. It can also be telling someone that they're doing something wrong, that what they're doing is not God's best. We need to be able to love someone enough to tell them when they're wrong. Again, from a place of concern, from a place where we care about them, and uh, that's, you don't do that in shallow relationships. Now, if you heard me say that and you just heard a license to go out and tell everybody everything they're doing wrong, reel it in. That is not what I'm telling you, Okay. It's not time for you to just start roasting everyone and being like, I've, won- I've waited for this for years. No, 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 no. It comes from a place of concern for that person. It comes from a place where you want God to truly um, help them see what is best in their life. That's what true encouragement is. He also talks about in this singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. We know what psalms are, we know what hymns are, but spiritual songs are actually expressions of biblical truth that are addressed to one another. We talk, I talked a little bit about that um, before we started uh, singing, that we are called to sing and to lead one another in worship and to encourage one another in worship. Paul literally tells them, here, here's how you worship. You worship by singing praises to God and by encouraging each other in God's word. You see, our singing should not be an expression of our fleshly talent, but of our commitment to the body of Christ. Once again, if you want to join our choir of bad singers, come on, I'm here for you. Because God doesn't care about how good you sing. We're called to encourage one another through our singing, through our worship. Dads, we need to be be leading our families in worship. We need to be singing. Well, that's just not my thing. I didn't ask you if it wasn't your thing. God never said that it was your thing. We are called to lead our families, lead the people next to us. Encourage one another with what we're singing. Encourage one another with the words we're saying. Leading not only our families, but also our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Leading them well in worship. Encouraging them through that. So after all of this, after reading all this, how could we think that encouragement could ever be shallow? It flows from the words of God and the praises that we give him. When I first came, when I first moved to Russellville, uh, it was my first pastorate and I'd never um, done like hospital visits or visitation in terms of being a pastor. So Joel, Pastor Joel was actually going on a hospital visit and I went with him and I'll never forget uh, that day that he went in and he sat down with a family and he said, you know, hey, how are you? Well, listen, in, in a hospital, uh, clearly things aren't the best they could be typically. But they said, you know what, we're making it and we're, we're doing the best we can. And I'll never forget what he said next. He went, how are you really? And the whole mood changed. That's a different question, Right? Every day we're asked, how are we? Good, great, grand, wonderful. If I was any better, I couldn't stand it. Whatever else we say. But if somebody came up to you and said, hey, how are you really? My life's falling apart. Everything, everything that, I thought, uh, that I thought was uh, secure in my life has, has disappeared. I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what's next. I'm just absolutely lost and broken. 
Shallow encouragement is, hey, how are you doing? It's small talk. It's, hey, you know what? I'll speak to them. Let them know. I'll acknowledge them. Real encouragement is saying, how are you really? What's really on your mind? What can I walk with you through? What can I weep with you about? What can I celebrate with you about? You know, it's having that relationship. And listen, I'm aware that this is not easy. I'm aware this is not just something that everybody's going to start out going and doing. But encouragement isn't necessarily always easy. It's not always the most simple thing. In fact, real encouragement is challenging. It's difficult. Sometimes it's hard because sometimes that means I'm not focused on me. I'm focused on someone else. It's not just hard for the encourager. But it can also be hard for the encouraged. Hebrews 10, 24, and 25, and let us watch out for one another to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other, and all the more as you see the day approaching. You see, one of the things about being part of the body of Christ that's really, really difficult for a lot of people to get over is that we're called to put ourselves under each other's authority. And, and from someone who, who my natural tendency is to kind of buck back against those things, it took me a long time to get there. We don't like being told we're wrong or what we're doing is wrong or it's incorrect or, or not God's best. We don't like that. Of course we don't. That's hard to hear. But true encouragement is pushing people to not settle for mediocrity, but rather to love more and to do more in our lives. For the sake of the kingdom. And again, that's what fellowship is. We, we, we often think of fellowship, and uh, when I thought of fellowship as a kid, I thought about the fellowship hall, and I thought about birthday dinners, and I thought about hanging out with folks. And oftentimes we, we think of that, well, fellowship is just spending time with one another. No, true fellowship is believers challenging one another to step out on faith and to do what God has called them to do. That's what real fellowship is. It requires us to build relationships and to be involved in one another's lives. Listen, every moment that we spend with fellow believers should encourage us into a deeper appreciation of who Christ is and what he's done for us. We need to make our words count for something. Striving to say what God calls us to say and to say what is God's best in every single situation. That's difficult. I, I, I certainly don't do it. Real encouragement is consistent. Again, the goal of our encouragement should always be the same regardless of the person or the situation, which is to point them to the Lord. Ephesians 4.25, no foul language should come out of your mouth, but only what is good for building up someone in need so that it gives grace to those who hear. Now this word foul that's used here, think rotten. Think just, you know, not useful anymore. And it, it's the word that you would use to describe a fruit. You know, you have, just to say an apple and that apple is, is sweet and it's sustaining and, it, you know, it's, it's delicious. But at a certain point, that thing turns... 
And it's none of those things anymore. We've all heard the, the phrase, you know, one bad apple spoils the whole bunch. Well, when it comes to our words and what we say, that is especially true. Psychological studies tell us that it takes five positive experiences to make up for every one negative experience. So for every five positive things we say, someone's going to remember that one negative one. That's harder. That hurts. That caused me to be a lot more accountable to just you know, the things that I say. And as someone who loves having something to say in just about every moment of my life, that's difficult. That's hard, right? To take captive every word, to take captive everything that we do, everything that we say. And I want to say this, one of the quickest ways to ruin your testimony as a Christian, as a Christ follower, is to talk out of both sides of your mouth. To speak in such a way that, uh, that allows unbelievers to establish all of their opinions about those church people were right. Everything I've thought, that's why I don't go there is because of those kind of people. Because they say those things. And that will, that will drive someone away from the church much quicker than anything scripture says. Scripture's hard to grasp. Again, Scripture's not easy to read because Scripture calls us to live to a higher standard. But oftentimes what drives people away from the church is not Scripture and not truths and not the difficulty of them, but it's the fact that they know what those people they sit next to say. And it's unacceptable. Why would I want to be like them? I know people better than them who don't go there. And when Paul calls this foul language, this includes uh, gossip, negativity, complaining, cutting others down, talking about others behind their back, and refusing to make right what is wrong. Now, I pretty much check all those lines at one point or another in my life. Every word should matter. Everything we say should matter. Everything we say should point to the Lord. And you may say, but you know what, Blake? People just, I, I just want to be able to say what I want to say. Well, I want to ask you this. Is your opinion worth your testimony? Is you saying your piece worth ruining somebody else's thoughts of Christ? Because real encouragement is selfless. See, it's no longer about me. It's not about people hearing my opinion or praising me or lifting me up. Paul says this. He says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Everything that I do should be for the glory of God, and that includes the words I say. Everything I do should point people to him. But the problem is, and this is what hangs so many of us up, is I have to stop looking at my own situation and stop looking at what's going, around, uh, going wrong around me and look up and see the situations of others. And we often can't get past that. Regardless of what we're going through. Regardless of, if, if, regardless of what you're going through is worse than what that next person is going through. Romans 12.10 says, love one another deeply as brothers and sisters and outdo one another in showing honor. Brothers and sisters, the word, the original language in this speaks of a familial love. It's, it's a close love. It's an intentional love, a sacrificial love. And this is a call to honor fellow believers above ourselves. 
And listen, if we're all following, like, just think again, we're going to go to a perfect world for a second. If we're all following what scripture says and we're all growing in our faith and we're being sensitive to what the spirit tells us to do and we are exuding the fruits of the spirit that the spirit has produced in us, this is going to happen, right? I don't have to worry about my problems because I know that other people are ministering to me. Other people care about my problems and are praying for me while I'm praying for them. And we're not waiting to see what, what am I going to get out of this? What, you know, what, are they going to pray for me? I'll pray for them if they pray for me. Remember, encouragement is not dependent on anything. But instead, we are called to freely elevate each other above ourselves. You see, God calls us to love him and to love others as we love ourselves. And there is never a situation where we are called to self-honor and self-elevate ourselves above our neighbor. It doesn't happen. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't take time to spend time in the word and take time to pray and to seek the Lord. That does not, that does not mean that. What it does mean is that at the end of the day, it's, I don't say, you know what, I'm going to push them aside. I don't have time for them. God calls us to encourage one another. I want you to think about this, and uh, uh, after this, we're going to close. What if the church did all of these things that we talked about? What if the church was, or what if the church was filled with real encouragers? True encouragers. People who thought about others before themselves. People who exhibited love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That the, Everyone who called themselves a Christ follower was truly seeking the Lord and truly seeking him to do what he wants us to do. What would that look like? Remember, I'm not talking about attaboys. I'm not saying, you know, we high-five everybody on the way in and, and, you know, we man, you're doing a great job. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about if every word and action that we produced pointed others to Christ. Fellow believers, unbelievers, you know, checkout person at the store, everyone. It pointed everyone to Jesus, everything we did, every word we said, every action we committed, all of those things pointed people to the Lord. What would the church look like? What would the opinion of the church look like? I want you to take a moment and just bow your heads. And I want you to pray about this. I want you to think just for a minute. Think about the people who aren't here. For, what, for whatever reason, by the way, maybe, man, maybe this whole pandemic just kind of was an opening. Maybe it's a, it's a broken habit. Maybe it's uh, people, again, were hurt. Maybe they said, you know what, I've seen too much of the church and I want nothing to do with that. Think about those people in your life who you know about. And ask yourself this, what if they saw it as the most encouraging place in the world filled with the most encouraging people in the world? What if every week when we came together, we didn't just come together, and, and again, I'm guilty of this too, and say, you know, how, how was your week? How was the job? How was this? But rather, we came together and we said, hey man, what is God teaching you right now? What's God calling you to do? How can I pray for you? How can I pray for God to work in you? How can I pray, or you know, what, what's the Holy Spirit leading you to do that maybe fear is holding you back or, or something like that? How can I pray for you? What if the church was a place where anyone who walked off the street, regardless of what they looked like, sounded like, could come here 
and had people who genuinely cared about them and their problems and the things that they were walking through. Better yet, what if it was a place where people could come and walk in and not have to wear a mask and not have to say, you know, hey, how you doing? Oh, I'm good. But rather when people came in, we asked them, how are you doing really? Man, what, what do you need? How can, how can I come alongside you? How can I pray for you? Now, let's, uh, to make it a little more personal, think about this. When people look at you, they see that encourager. The people you work next to, your family, whether they're here or somewhere else, your spouse, your kids, your parents, your siblings. Are we really walking in such a way that we're pointing people to Christ in everything we do? When people look at us, do they see somebody who's going to speak truth and love? It's not that we compromise the message that Jesus brought, because again, he never compromised it, but we speak it not out of a sense of superiority, but out of sense of concern for people. Do they see someone who looks at them and doesn't define them by the things that they've done, but rather someone whom God loves and cares for and wants to see them come back to him? What do they see when they look at you? Are we encouraging people like we should? Are we taking risks? Are we stepping into the awkward and the muck and the mire with people in order to encourage them to do what is God's best for them? Listen, Christ died on a cross for us when we did not deserve it. He paid the ransom for our sins and the least that we can do is to let other people know about it to equip and encourage each other. What about your your friends from church? What about here? What about the people you've talked to this morning? Did you push people to a greater appreciation of Christ or did you say something that would undercut all of that? God help us. Lord help us. Lord, I pray that as we go about our week, Lord, that we look up from our own problems and our own situations and our own things that we're experiencing and God help us see others help us see others God don't let us be satisfied with shallow relationships and shallow conversations let us ask difficult questions let us come alongside each other and uh, come alongside brothers and sisters who maybe have fallen and are maybe doing things that uh, we know aren't best we know they aren't the things that God has called them to do and God help us lean into that God help us look in our own lives and see where we where we're not doing that Lord I pray for for us as we go out from this place I pray that just as the the team who left for Africa yesterday and is on their way now Lord just as they're going there to minister to them God I pray we go out with the same mentality of encouraging people Lord we, we should be the most encouraging people in the world people should always want to be around us always want to hear uh, hear what we have to say we should we should light up a room when we walk in it not because of anything that we are or anything you've given us or, or anything that we, we have to bring to the table but because of everything you've given us Lord because of the Holy Spirit which guides us because of uh, your your son who died on a cross for us that you sent because you loved us Lord why would we not share love with others when we are loved so greatly. Lord, help us 
Help us to go out and be encouraging, to be world changers, not because there's anything special about, about us or about me or about uh, necessarily even our church, but God, just because we're just a group of Christ followers who are being faithful to the thing God calls us to. Lord, help us be encouraging. Help us be uplifting. In your name I pray. Amen. Church, I'm praying for you this week. Uh, I'm praying that we are encouraging to one another, that we're lifting one another up. And I want to encourage you to, to step into the awkward when it feels like it, when you go, man, surely God's not calling me to this. He probably is. Don't talk yourself out of being an encouragement. I hope you have a wonderful week. I love you, church. Have a good one. You're dismissed. If you need help finding or taking your next step, send us a message at hello at myconnectchurch.cc.